you got to get passionate about this thing. If the cross doesn't move you, nothing will move you. I'm offering you something that's greater than silver and gold. I'm offering you something that's greater than an increase in your pay on your job. I'm offering you a... There's no shortcuts to the glory. Week to week living. We've got to multiply our prayer life. We've got to multiply our efforts. And we are willing to give. God will always give it back to us in good measure that is pressed down, shaken together, and running over. Hey, thanks for checking out our Christian Life Church podcast. You will be hearing from one of our pastors or guest speakers, either at our Frankfurt or Lebanon campus. Prepare your hearts and your minds to receive a word from God. Thanks for listening. Enjoy and receive this message. Amen. I want to turn your attention to the word of the Lord tonight in the book of 2 Samuel, chapter number 6, verses 9 through 12. 2 Samuel, chapter number 6, verses 9 through 12. I, I think I'm going to do more teaching uh, tonight than preaching. Someone once said, you know, you, sometimes you do treaching, and I think I'd probably categorize um, what I feel like the Lord had given me tonight under the category of treaching. Um, but there's a lot of things going on in our world, and it's important to pay attention to those things so we know kind of the direct, because we know the direction that the world is heading, and we need to as the Apostle Paul said, not be ignorant of the enemy's devices. And I think it's so awesome that um, Pastor Brandon and Sister Ashley are now leading up as, as our family pastor and our family leaders here and everything that's going on. We got, we, I heard the other night that we've got 75 signed up to come to the first family life night, and I think that's awesome. Amen. That, that deserves a hand clap. Praise God. And, uh, you know... The enemy is attacking the family unit. The enemy is attacking mothers and fathers and children in a way that is more intense than it's been before. And the Bible says that, of course, we understand the pattern of Satan that as he knows his time is getting shorter, his attacks become more and more intense. He comes down with great wrath knowing that he has but a little bit of time. And so... The church needs to match its intensity, and I thank God that we're getting involved in family ministry and, and all the things that are happening here, and I, I think that's kind of the direction that I'm feeling led to go tonight is, is, is to talk to families, young families, uh, old families, future families. I, I, I want to talk to us tonight about our home and about giving the Lord a place in our home. If we go to 2 Samuel chapter 6, verses 9 through 12, I'm going to read a portion of this scripture it says, and David was afraid of the Lord that day and said, how shall the ark of the Lord come to me? So David would not remove the ark of the Lord unto him into the city of David, but David carried it aside into the house of Obed-Edom the Gittite. And the ark of the Lord continued in the house of Obed-Edom the Gittite three months. And the Lord blessed Obed-Edom and his household. And it was told King David, saying, the Lord hath blessed the house of Obed-Edom and all that pertaineth unto him. Because of the ark of God. So David went and brought up the ark of God from the house of Obed-Edom into the city of David with gladness. Every preacher has portions of scriptures that 
feels like a well to them that they can keep going back to and, and keep getting sermons out of because it just, it just speaks to them in a particular way. And the entire chapter of, of 2 Samuel chapter 6 um, speaks to me in this way. I've, I've preached on this story of David taking the ark and bringing it back to Jerusalem and the ark dwelling at the house of Obadiah quite a few times. And I always, I always seem to find something new out of it. The Lord always seems to speak to me about this. And, and, and there is so much we can extract from this about the proper way to handle the ark and, because it had to be carried by men as opposed to the cart of oxen or about bringing the presence of God into a place through praise and worship. We, but, but tonight I want to focus on the portion of this story that centers around a man by the name of Obadiah. The Bible tells us that God had blessed his house because he took in the Ark of the Covenant and gave it a place to dwell. I want to talk to you tonight because there is a blessing when we give God first place in our lives and in our homes. There, there is a blessing in that. And I, I, want to, I want to talk to you tonight on this subject, making room for the Ark. Making room for the Ark. So during the reign of King Saul, Israel had temporarily lost the Philistines, uh, to the Philistines, the Ark of God. Uh, the Ark of God is also known as the Ark of the Covenant, uh, the, the, Ark, the Ark of the Lord where the mercy seat dwells. The Ark was a box or a chest which God commanded Moses to build so that he could have a place to dwell in the tabernacle and Israelites could worship in the tabernacle and, and Israelites could worship in the wilderness and and upon the ark was something called the mercy seat. And, and, and the mercy seat was a place, and there were two, two cherubims sculptured next to it, laying over it. Uh, and, and this is where the blood of the lamb would be sprinkled during the time of atonement. Every year, the high priest would be allowed once a year to go into the very back of the temple, uh, very back of the tabernacle, uh, and, and sprinkle the blood of the lamb on the mercy seat so that sins could be atoned. It, atoned. it was the sin offering uh, year after year. And, and, and the ark had very, very special significance to the children of Israel. One could even say that oftentimes in stories throughout the Bible, we see that the ark represented the presence of God. It represented the, where, where God would dwell and how they would commune with God and how, how, how they would touch God. And, and the Bible tells us that, that God had blessed Obed-Edom because he brought the ark, uh, amen, into his home. And, and, and upon the ark, we know that this is where the Lord chose to dwell. This is where he chose to dwell. So after the death of Saul, David is anointed king. And, and David is a man after God's own heart. I find, find it interesting the different ways that, uh, that David and Saul looked at the ark of God. When you look at Saul, Saul kind of used the ark of God when he needed to get out of a pinch. But Saul didn't really have a reverence for the ark of God. But David got it in his heart. Like this was like the first order as king. Like, like what presidents do in their first hundred days is, is kind of their chief agenda. What they wanted to get done when they were elected. Well, well, one of the very first things that David wanted to do was David wanted to get the ark of God and bring it out of the enemy's camp and back into the city of David, back into the city of Jerusalem. And so what David does is, is he gets up to 30,000 men and he, he brings them with him and they go and they take the ark and they put it on a cart. And they set the ark of God upon a cart carried by oxen. And they're making this big production when all of a sudden 
and oxen shifts the cart, and the ark begins to fall. And a friend of David's by the name of Uzzah reaches out, and he tries to grab the ark. He tries to put his hand upon the ark, and God strikes him dead. God strikes him dead right there. And David becomes sore afraid because of the ark. And David says, I can't handle this. Now, the reason why this happened was because David was not handling the ark appropriately in the first place. That, that this is not the way that the ark of God was intended to be carried. In fact, it was the Philistines who got the idea of putting the ark on a cart when they sent it out of the city because of the trouble that it caused them. And so when the Philistines got rid of it, they got rid of it on an ark. But the Bible says that the ark was to be carried by Levites. And it was to be carried upon their shoulders with staves going through the rings that were round about it. And they were to, to carry the ark. It was always God's intention that his glory and his presence be carried by men. If we look into the New Testament and we look at, at, the, at Acts chapter 10 when Cornelius um, is, is, is preached to. He's the first Gentile that was saved. An angel comes to Cornelius, but find it interesting with me that it's not an angel who preaches the gospel to Cornelius. Rather, it was an angel that tells Cornelius to send for Peter because it was Peter's job to preach the gospel. It's you and I's job to preach the gospel to people, to carry the glory of God into this world. And so David looks around and he says, I'm not ready and I'm not prepared to bring the ark of God into my city. And I'm afraid I'm going to lose my life, but we can't let it fall back into the hands of the enemy. And so it is about this time that a man by the name of Obadiah arises and he says, David, if it's quite all right with you, I, I would consider it an honor and a privilege to bring the ark back to my place and to give the ark a place in my home. And the Bible declares that the house of Obed-Edom was blessed. I don't know about you, but I want my house to be blessed. I want my house to be blessed by God. I want, I want my house to prosper. I want my house to have peace. I want my house to have joy. I want my house to have the presence of God. I want people to come over my house and say, I feel something different in your house. I want to be able to invite the lost into my home and they feel something that they can't feel in their house. I want my home to be blessed. And it makes sense that giving the ark a place to dwell would lead to a blessing. We, we don't know exactly how Obed-Edom was blessed. A, a rabbinical commentary and, and Jewish tradition surmises that during this time his daughters and son-in-laws were given great fertility and, and that during this time everything Obed-Edom touched prospered. I, I, I believe the blessing upon Obed-Edom's house can probably be summed up through the blessing that God promised uh, through Moses in Deuteronomy chapter 6, verses 10 through 11. Because, it, because in Deuteronomy 6, that's where we get the Shema here. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. This was the greatest thing for uh, an Israelite to, to know and to follow. It was, it was something a good Jew would say as they were dying in their very final breath. Shema Israel Adonai Elohendu Adonai Chad. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God was one Lord. And, and, and Moses gives them this instruction about who God is and how God has revealed himself as one Lord, and, and he says, these commandments that I'm giving you, you need to take them and you need to bind them as frontlets upon your eye. You need to post them upon the doors of your house. You need to discuss them with your children. You need to discuss them at the dinner table. 
You need to talk about them with your family. And, and he says that if you do this, and it shall be when the Lord thy God have brought thee into the land, which he swear unto thy fathers, to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob, to give thee great and goodly cities which thou buildest not, and houses full of all good things which thou fillest not, and wells dig which thou diggest not, vineyards and olive trees which thou plantest not, when thou shalt have eaten and be full. In other words, I'm going to give you blessings you didn't have to work for if you give my commandments and my testimonies and my word a place in your home, not just a place but the chief place in your house. Now, Deuteronomy 11 prescribes a similar blessing. For the sake of time, I'll paraphrase it, but it says that if you will cherish the word of God and give it a proper place in your life, you will see miracles, signs, and wonders. God will provide for you and will protect you even in the midst of chaos. Now, I'm not preaching to you tonight a prosperity gospel. I don't believe in that. I'm not saying God's going to make you rich and wealthy beyond all all worldly means, but I am telling you that if you do like Obed-Edom and you make room in your home for the presence of God and for the word of God, that you will have perfect peace in your house. I'm telling you tonight that if you give the word of God a place, you will have joy unspeakable and full of glory in your house. You will have fullness of joy and pleasures forevermore. You will be hidden under the shadow of the Almighty. You will be hidden underneath of the shadow of his wings. Your life will be blessed, and most of all, your name will be written in the Lamb's book of life if you give God his proper place in your home. I want my house to be blessed. I want my marriage to be blessed. I want my my children to be blessed. I want people to walk into my home and feel the presence of God. I I hope you're feeling by now that I'm not trying to just give you a history lesson on Obed-Edom, but I'm talking to us tonight about giving God dominion and a throne in our home life. I'm I'm glad you come to church. This, This is the faithful crew right here. I mean, I mean, this, this, is, this is the people that show up on a Wednesday night, and, and, and that's awesome. That is speaking volumes to your family. That is speaking volumes to your church. But if you only come on Sunday and Wednesdays, your kids aren't going to have a fighting chance living for God unless you give the presence of God and the word of God a place in your home as well. My, the kids can't just see mom and dad living it on a Sunday and on a Wednesday night. You can't just, just be blessed because you come to church as if, as if it's some type of transactional thing. We don't come to church because, well, if we, we do it because out of obligation. If we're doing that, then that is wrong. That's not the way to live a blessed life. But if we do it because we love God and we love the way he meets us and we love his people in this house. And, and, and what will happen is God will bless us for that and there will be an overflow in our lives. And there will be an overflow in the church if we live it on Monday and Tuesday and Thursday and Friday and, and, and Saturday. As a Levite, this man Obed-Edom, he, he knew what it took to get the ark into his home. Obed-Edom understood that bringing the ark into his home was going to take some effort. Everybody say it's going to take some work. He, he knew you couldn't just throw it on a cart and expect it to roll its way into the house, he, he knew that, that his family was going to have to get involved and his, his children were going to get involved. In other words, giving the ark a proper place in your home is going to take intentionality. You're not going to make it if, if we're, we're not going to make it if we just think, well, I could just roll through this thing. We got to be intentional about giving the ark a place in our life. The ark of the covenant was approximately five feet 
by three feet by three feet, and it was overlaid with pure gold. In other words, that bad boy was heavy, and it was large, and it was precious. In order to make room for the ark, Obed-Edom probably, probably had to clear some stuff out of his house. He, he, there were probably some things that couldn't stay in his house if he was going to give the ark a place in his house. There, there, there were some things in, in his house that just couldn't fit if he was going to have something that would dwell in the holiest place, in the holy of holies. Listen to me tonight. I'm, I'm, I'm not a clothesline preacher, but I think that we would do well to remember some discernment when it comes to the things we allow in our homes. I think we would do well to remember that there are some things that cannot dwell in our house if we want the ark of God to dwell in our house. There are some TV shows that cannot play on our television set if we want the ark of God to have a place in our home. There is some music we can't put into our earbuds if we want the ark of God, uh, earbuds, listen to me, I'm from the early 2000, in our Bluetooth headphones, if we want God to have a place in our home. There are some things, some attitudes and some relationships and some things we're going to have to kick out from time to time if we're going to make room for the ark in our home. The Apostle Paul said it like this, laying aside every sin and every weight that doth so easily beset us. Giving God a place in our daily lives and in our home life means that there are certain things we're going to have to say no to. Sometimes as, if I could speak to the men of of the house tonight, sometimes as the men of the house, there are some things that we're going to have to tell our family we can't stand for it in our family. And we don't do that out of a spirit of, uh, of, of arrogance and I'm just trying to push my family around. We do that out of a spirit of love for our family. That, that sometimes as men of God, we're going to have to stand up and say, I'm sorry, we're not going to watch that. We're not going to listen to that. We're not going to play that. We're not going to entertain that kind of stuff. And, 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 and speaking to parents, and I know that there are, there are parents in the room tonight, if we don't make room for the covenant in our homes, if we don't provide a place for, our li- for the ark in our lives, then we are not giving our kids a fighting chance to live for God. Let me talk to you about what we're up against tonight. In a leaked meeting this week between Disney Plus upcoming, uh, upcoming executives, certain producers of upcoming projects for Disney, which is, you know, seemingly the last bit of innocent television and, and movies that existed in the world said that they were the company was comfortable moving forward with, in her words, a not-so-secret gay agenda. It, 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 even in the Carmel Clay School District last year, controversy erupted because a few books were being added to the elementary school library, such as books about a cross-dressing toddler and a graphic novel with pornographic material. The enemy is after our kids. I'm not saying that, that we don't have compassion for people who, who have fallen into this sexual ideology and this confusion of the world and this sin. But I'm here to tell you that the enemy is not content with, with our society just tolerating that stuff. 
The enemy wants us to, they, they want us to celebrate that. Not only do they want us to celebrate that, they want us to teach those values to our children. They, they, want, to, they want our kids to, that's why there's all this, up. and again, this is not a political message, Pastor, I promise. But that's why there's all this uproar about this bill in Florida. That, that people are losing their minds and, and they're protesting and, and they're going crazy about it. When If you read the bill, what it talks about is the fact that in kindergarten through third grade, you can't lead kids in a curriculum that involves that kind of ideology. That's something that parents need to talk to their kids about. And there is an uproar against that. It's, it's, not, it's not political. It's, it's not even the teachers. It's not the school districts. It is the enemy of our soul. It is the enemy of our children that's trying to stick his agenda in our world and in our kids' ears and trying to take them to a hell that was never intended for them, trying to take them to a lake of fire that was never intended for them. That's why we got to have a place for the ark in our homes. Mom and Dad, that's why we got to have an early morning prayer meeting in our homes. That's why we got to have... Scripture memorization in our homes. I, I, that's why we got to have a place for the ark of God in our homes so that our, I know that there are p- good people who live for God and who do everything I'm, I'm talking about tonight and their kids still walked away. But I want to at least give my children a fighting chance. And I'm here to tell you that if you will do this, this will never depart your children's heart. This will never depart their heart. A recent study found that Instagram, one of the most popular apps for teenagers, is estimated to have millions of pornographic videos under secretive hashtags that can easily be discovered. And, and the thing is, is this is just the extreme stuff. This is just the extreme agenda that's being pushed onto our kids and onto our families. And we, and we can get distracted with that to the point where normal sin, <laughs> things that, that weren't so prevalent many years ago, well, we just kind of tolerate them in our homes. We, we, we just kind of entertain it for a little bit. We just, we just kind of entertain it in our lives. But we've got to be intentional about this thing. We, we've got to be intentional about living for God. We need some mom and dads, moms and dads and, and families to rise up with the spirit of Obed-Edom and say, hey, not in my house. You, you can teach whatever agenda you want to teach. You can teach whatever ideology you want to teach. In my house, we're going to have the word of God. We're going to have prayer. We're going to have fasting in my house. When pastor calls a fast, we're going to fast with the church. When, 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 it's time for, when the doors are open, we're going to be in the house of God. When it's time to pray, it's time to pray. We're going to make a difference. We're going to have the ark in our home. It was the blessing of the ark properly carried that caused David to come back and bring it back to Jerusalem properly. Jesus said it like this, let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. What am I saying to you tonight? I'm saying to you that if you get intentional about giving the ark a place, I'm not talking about a box, but I'm talking about giving the Holy Ghost room to move in your home. That it will affect your neighbors. It will affect your unsaved family members. It will affect your children. You will have revival. They used to say it to us like this in Bible school. If you want to have revival, draw a circle around yourself. And say, God, give me revival in this circle. And then if you want to have an even greater revival... Draw draw a circle around your family and say, God, give me revival in this circle. And that circle will grow, and it will bring people in to the house of the Lord, and it will bring a harvest in. But, But we've got to be 
intentional about giving God a place in our home. There are three things that were inside the ark. And I'm hurrying to a close, but Hebrews chapter 9, verses 4 talks, says this, which had the golden censer talking about the ark and the ark of the covenant overlaid on all sides with gold in which were the golden pot that had the manna and Aaron's rod that budded and the tablets of the covenant. So in there we had the manna, we had Aaron's rod that budded, and we had the Ten Commandments. What, what does this say needs to be a daily staple of our life if we're going to be blessed like Obadiah? Well, the manna represents a daily touch from God. When the Israelites were given the manna in the wilderness, they, had to, they could only take enough for a day, and then it would grow rotten, and they had to go back the next day, and they had to get it. Jude 20 tells us that we build up our most precious faith praying in the Holy Ghost. We have got to have a daily touch from God in our life. If we don't have a daily prayer life, we need to get a daily prayer life yesterday. Prayer is the lifeblood of the Christian. Prayer is the lifeblood of your walk with God. If we're not talking to God, if we're not getting a daily touch from God, then we are going to grow cold. Aaron's rod that budded is room for the supernatural and the miraculous in our homes. We need, we need to give God some space to operate in our home in that way. We, in my house, we have a, a jar of oil that we prayed over. And, and if somebody gets sick, if one of the kids gets sick, we grab the oil from the cupboard and we pray for them. And we, and we believe that, we're gonna, that we, we have seen miracles happen in our house. We have seen God do wonderful works in our house. We need to have that. And I don't know about you, but I don't want the church to be the only place where my kids see miracles. I don't want the church to be the only place where my kids can get the Holy Ghost. If my kid, I, I wouldn't mind it if, 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 if my kids got the Holy Ghost in my house, right? I want them to get it at the church, at the altar. I believe that would be special. But, but I, want, I, I want my house to be a church. I want my house to be a place where God moves, a place where God operates, a place where God dwells. I want miracles, signs, and wonders to happen in my house. I want angelic visitation in my house. I want the anointing that destroys the yoke of bondage in my house. I want my house to be a place where my family can come up and say, listen, I need, I need to get in touch with God. And we know that we can pray for each other and we can pray for one another. I want my house to be a place where my brothers and sisters in Christ can feel like they can come when they need prayer. Feel like they can come when they need to hear from God. Feel like they can come. We've got to give the ark a place in our house. I, we've got to have the supernatural in our house. And the Ten Commandments finally represents the Word of God. We ought to have the Word of God at our dinner table. We ought to talk about the Scriptures with our children. We ought to talk about the Scriptures with our spouses. Don't, don't let this place, and this, this is awesome. I'm so glad we come on Sundays and Wednesdays. But don't let that be the only time we have an encounter with the Holy of Holies. Don't let that be the only time we have an encounter with God. If the musicians want to come, wrap, coming quickly to a close, I finished a lot earlier than I thought I would, so I'm very glad about that. I know you are too. Somebody say amen. What I felt like the Lord gave me tonight we, this isn't how I, I normally teach and preach. I usually get a lot more animated, but I, I just I felt this with everything that's going on in our world that we need to protect our homes. 
this is not the time to get laissez-faire about it. This is not the time to have a casual attitude about the things of God in our home life. But the Bible tells us to be sober and to be vigilant. For your adversary, the devil, is like a roaring lion, walking to and fro, seeking whom he may devour. He wants to devour your peace. He wants to devour your marriage. He wants to devour your children. But thank God, we've made a place for the ark in our home. We've made a place for the ark in our home. God is calling us to a fresh covenant tonight. If your family's here, I want to invite you to stand at this time and maybe bring them up to the altar or get together in a group and pray with them. But we're going to pray for one another in, in family groups. And if your family's not here tonight, find a family and link up with them and pray for your home. Even if you're single tonight, pray over your home. Pray over your future home. Pray over the place where you dwell. Make a place for God. Come on, fathers, pray for your children. Come on, husbands, pray for your wives. Come on, wives, pray for your husbands. Make a covenant before God that you're going to give him a place to dwell. Brother Justin did tonight. Would you thank him for speaking his heart to us tonight? Amen. I'm going to tell you, if you were privileged, as I was, to grow up in a home surrounded around the things of God, you're blessed. Where the church, the things of God, are the center and the focal point of the home. Some of you will identify with this. It was, I don't think it was strange back then. 
might be today because in decor, I don't know when I've ever walked into a home recently and seen, seen somebody with what they used to call a family Bible. Some of the younger folks might not even know what I'm talking about. Remember the big family Bible? It's a big, huge Bible. It's about four inches thick. It usually had some big cross on the front of it or a big picture of Jesus or something on the front of it, big hardback. When you walked in the door of our home, there was a, my mom called it a coffee table. It was a table right in the middle of the room. And in the center of that table was a big family Bible. Now, I'm sure my sister probably has that as a keepsake. I, I, don't, I don't really know what happened to it, but I'm, I'm guessing that's where it's at after my mom passed on. Inside that Bible, I remember birth dates, wedding anniversary dates, and baptism dates, and dates when people were filled with the Holy Ghost, family members. You could go through and see that. I don't remember opening that Bible and reading it. We all had our personal Bibles. But when we walked into the home, I mean, it can become customary. You just kind of see it, look over it and ignore it. But there was a statement made in our home to anybody that walked in. The center of this room, the center of this house, was built around that family Bible. Now, Annette and I, we haven't continued that tradition of a family Bible that was something that was a fad back in its day. Maybe some of you still have. I remember a few years ago here at the church, as a matter of fact, Annette and I talked about it the other day, and she talked about maybe doing the family altar project all over again. Anybody know what I'm talking about when I mention the family altar project, our youth, children, children's ministry? Some of you are lifting your hand because you remember it. Children's ministry did it several years ago. I don't know, maybe six, seven years ago. And they built little family altars. They're kind of mini altars. It's far too small to, to kneel on. But it's just a little family altar. My wife has some keepsakes inside it. It was painted, some stained, and all sorts of um, craft and different decorations. Everybody made it personalized it to their home. In our home, we have that family altar, and it sits in our living room, and our family room, and, and when we walk in, when I walk into my family room, I see that all the time. Now, it's not superstitious, and it's not supernatural. I know that that's where my wife keeps anointing oil, and so if I get a call to go to someone's house, and I need anointing oil, I know to go there and lift the lid, and there's always anointing oil there, and I can grab a a little vial of anointing oil and I can take off or if we're praying in our home brother Justin we have that those little vials of anointing oil that have been handed out around here to many of you the point is is that it's just a reminder something in our home that reminds us that this home is not just an ordinary home but we make room for that which is holy we make room for the ark of God we reverence the things of God in our home. I don't know about you, but you're here on a Wednesday night, so I probably do.
that you want God to be at the center of your home and your family. You're right, Brother Justin. You will see it affect your children and your children's children. It'll affect the whole environment of your home when we make room for God. Oh, what a great job. Give Brother Justin a great big hand once more. Thank you. Thank you, Brother Justin. And thank you for being here on Wednesday night. It's difficult to have Bible study if there's nobody here. We're glad you're here on this Wednesday evening. And our, our hearts have been fed the word of the Lord tonight. We appreciate it so very much, Brother Justin. For